The Truth News Network. In a time when narrative supersedes truth, when facts are the enemy, in a time where even Orwell would look at things and shake his head in disbelief, in a time when it takes backbone to stand up to the slings and arrows of outrageous deception, thank all that's holy, you have a voice. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Well, here I am, the voice of TNN Live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, our Monday edition, and yes, I am back in North America. I got to tell you, folks, being in Israel for 10 days was an amazing experience, and I could do a whole, actually, I could do a whole week. I started to say a whole show about it. I could do an entire week about Israel, and if you're a Christian, or somebody that has followed the Jewish people in the Israeli nation through the years, you need to go. Besides the religious implications of that nation, archaeologically, it's incredible. Did you realize, for instance, the entire country is desert? Did you realize they really don't have any trees? None of their buildings, therefore, you don't see anything like we see in the U.S. Uh, They don't put sheetrock up. They don't put paneling, wood paneling up anywhere. They don't even put up studs when they're doing the infrastructure for their building. And of course, it's all made of stone. That's just one little bitty thing. I mean, there are thousands of idiosyncrasies. Yeah, you got to look that word up, don't you? Idiosyncrasy. (laughs) There are thousands of things across the nation of Israel. Every once in a while during the shows this week, we're going to reference some of that stuff just because it is important. I mean, we need to know about other countries that are important to our country. And I can promise you this, Israel is very important, always has been, to the United States of America. So what are we going to do today? Oh, first of all, let me apologize. We missed all are part of a couple of shows when we were there. And let me tell you the only reason why. It wasn't because of anything to do with our our uh, Wi-Fi. We had plenty of internet speed and bandwidth which which to communicate with you. The problem was traffic in the nation from top to bottom of Israel. I, I, I want to throw out, I want to relate that before I go to that specific thing. I want to tell you a quick one. Did you ever wonder why Adolf Hitler slaughtered 6 million Jews in World War II? I always have. I couldn't figure it out. Why Hitler? Why the Jews? And why 6 million? I found the answer when I was over there. And it's got a numerical importance. That's why I'm bringing this up. Hitler slaughtered 6 million Jews. Why? Satan... Remember who Satan is and was. He was an angel. He was Lucifer in heaven. He was an archangel, which put him up right up there with Michael and Gabriel. You know, they were the guys, the big shot and the angel cadre. Lucifer wanted to be on the same plane as God, and so he revolted and took a bunch of angels with him and left heaven. So they, they being God and 
Lucifer slash Satan have been at war throughout however long the earth's been around. And one thing that Satan is always trying to find is a way he can put his finger in God's face. You know, just get cocky. You know what I'm talking about. Abraham is considered to be the father of all Jews, and basically his lineage is the Jewish uh, empire. It's not really an empire, but the line, the bloodline for all Jews comes from Abraham. And for that matter, all Muslims. Wait a minute, you've got one guy that's the father of the Christians, the Jews, and one guy that's the father of Islam? I'm telling you, Ishmael, he was Abraham's first son. He was not of the pure lineage blood because Abraham, either he couldn't get his wife Sarah pregnant or Sarah couldn't get pregnant. Nevertheless, she wanted Abraham to father a, a child while she was up in eight, in years. And so she gave her handmaiden to Abraham to get pregnant, and he got her pregnant, the, the handmaiden. And uh, Ishmael was born out of that relationship. Ishmael is the father of Islam. Now, it's his lineage. He wasn't the father of the religion, Islam, but he was the father of the entire bloodline of Muslims. So, God made a promise to Abraham that he would make Abraham's seed would explode exponentially and would be the seed of the known world eventually. Satan didn't like that, of course. And so he decided he was going to wipe out the seed of Abraham. That's why he slaughtered six million Jews. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, it just happened to be a number that caught my ear while I was there last week. You know why? You know how many Jews are in Israel today? Six million. That's not counting the Jews from around the world, but the population, Jewish population, is six million in Israel. Just kind of sticks out there a little bit. Learned a lot of things like that, and Every once in a while, we're going to drop one of those bombs of wisdom. So what about today? We're not going to talk about Israel today, but what we are going to do is talk about some very, very important things. And some of those things are about how the Democrat Party is relating to America. Now, I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. and New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles. I'm not talking about just that part of America. I'm talking about the whole of America. There's a vast, a mass of land between California and the Potomac Valley and New York, of course. What are the people out there saying about how Democrats are governing our nation? Now, they don't have the total control of government. As you know, Republicans have the majority in the House, but Democrats have the Senate and Democrats have the White House, so they're on the cusp of being in total control. We're going to talk about their disconnection. Also, guess what? The Treasury, U.S. Treasury, is called up, and they're going to testify this Friday for not giving to the federal government 
the withholding information. They are withholding Biden family suspicious wire transfers information from Europe and Asia, for that matter. This is going to be interesting, this testimony. A little bit more about that later on. Also, guess what? Illegal immigration in the news, and not some of it is not going to be about what you think it's about. And, of course, the president, he's not even close to being finished with giving big money, big dollars, taxpayer dollars to Ukraine, and he ponied up with some more of your money over the weekend. Wow. Donald Trump in the news. Interesting. CPAC over the weekend. We've got some information coming out of former President Donald Trump's speech at CPAC. It was a humdinger. That's what we would say here in the South. A lot of things to talk about today. Information you don't want to miss. Thank you for being lenient with us and our broadcast from over in Israel. We are back in the saddle, in our studio, and we're going to be here for a while. We're doing more on-the-road stuff throughout this year, but not for a while. So it's not going to be like it was in Israel. Just because we were overseas and the timing and everything, we were a little late on a couple of shows getting cranked, and we missed one. I hate it when that happens, but we're through that. So to start the show, I want to get you in the mood. And so how about a good song? How about Spinning Wheel? That's a good one. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin. Ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin. You got no money. You got
Sweat and Tears, that old group back in the 70s sang that originally. That is a duplicate of Blood, Sweat and Tears, their rendition. And I can't even read the name of the group that did that. It's a Russian group. We've played them on here before. They do some Chicago covers, and they're amazing. They're actually better musicians, in my opinion, than, uh, than were Chicago and Blood, Sweat and Tears. Just my opinion, though. So where do we get started today? How about the big thing that happened over the weekend, CPAC? Every year, early in the year, usually it's in late January, early February, um, CPAC, which is a conservative organization and not-for-profit, they have their big annual convention in Washington, D.C., and typically whoever the senior Republican is is going to speak there. Wow, 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 wow. You know, it's interesting when you don't turn (laughs) your phone off or at least turn the the ringer down. I apologize for that. Anyway, we use that phone on the show here. But what we always do is turn the volume down before we go live. I didn't do it. A little bit out of the habit. Anyway, talking about CPAC, President Trump, and uh, he was a keynote speaker, obviously. And before we get into our version and our analysis of CPAC, I thought it would be good if we listened to some of the uh, knowledgeable people in the news media that would give you a more, uh, at least include a little more of the leftist version of what happened in the, the president's address. And so here you go. And for more on tonight's speech from the former president, we'd like to welcome in Chris Hahn, News Nation political contributor and host of the Aggressive Progressive podcast, and Republican political analyst Paris Denard. Gentlemen, thank you both for being here. First, let's just get your reactions to Donald Trump's speech tonight, and we'll start with you, Chris. So look, I mean, it's a typical Trump speech. I think he was a little bit more disciplined than normal in not attacking his opponents, because quite frankly, he's far ahead of them in the Republican primary. He's far ahead of them in that room for sure. And if you're starting to look at national polls, Ron DeSantis is registering in the 20s and 30s and once in a while you see him close to him. But I don't even believe that. I think Donald Trump has an easy path at the moment to the Republican nomination. So it was a little bit more disciplined than normal not taking those shots because he didn't really need to. Paris, do you agree? And what is your reaction to his remarks tonight? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, I do agree that this is a different style for President Trump. He is uh, giving a more disciplined 
uh, style of remarks. It's been consistent since he announced. Uh, I don't think that he does need to take the time to address other people who have uh, gotten into the race or those who are speculated to get into the race because he is the front runner. Uh, at this point. He continues to lead poll after poll uh, to be the Republican nominee for president again. And so what he needs to do and what he is doing is talking about what he has done in the past as president and what he wants to do in the future as president. And Trump did go over the usual talking points during this lengthy speech. He talked about the border. He hit on the economy, on President Biden. Did anything stand out to either of you as different for the former president? And Paris, we'll start with you. I think his tone was different. Um, but I think that overall, uh, I think it was the same style that in terms of what he laid out that the people want to hear in the room and that are a part of the Republican base. They want to hear the successes that he had as a stark contrast to the failures that we're getting under Biden today. And they want to hear how he is going to be such a different type of leader than we've gotten under the Biden administration, because that's really who he knows he's going to be going up against should he be the nominee. Chris, was this a more toned down version of Trump or is that going too far? Uh, I think it's going a little bit too far. I mean, the, the retribution line, I think, is going to get a lot of attention the next couple of weeks. What do you mean by that? Um, it, it is, a, it is a, a frightening line when you think about it. And, and it's, it's more of the same. I'm great. Just ignore that last year of my presidency where the economy uh, collapsed and a million Americans died on my watch. But other than that, I'm great. Uh, look, he doesn't have a problem in the Republican primary, in my opinion. He has a problem in a general election. The last two cycles have been devastating for the MAGA base of the Republican Party. They haven't been able to win elections like they did in 2016. And it's because he is saying the same thing over and over again. And he doesn't really have anything to back it up. And his successes are really in the eye of the beholder, and they are not seen by everyone. Paris, what about DeSantis skipping this event entirely? What kind of message is that trying to send? I don't think it's sending any type of direct message. Uh, Governor DeSantis spoke at CPAC 2022 when it was held in Florida because CPAC has had multiple CPACs last year. Um, he's not a declared candidate. There was another event that was taking place in Florida that he's attending with for Club for Growth. Those persons who are declared to be running for president were present. Nikki Haley uh, was there, uh, and, uh, and and the other gentleman um, uh, who's who's announced he was present as well. well the gentleman who announced was present, uh, and Mike Pompeo, who's rumored to be. Uh, running, he was there. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it. DeSantis understands he has a strong following in the Republican Party. He's the only one that consistently shows up in the double digits in terms of polling, uh, be it the CPAC straw poll or other polls that have been taken. And so he doesn't have to go to every single event where Donald Trump, is, is the former president, is, is appearing. I wouldn't read too much into it uh, at all. Chris, one of the biggest surprises coming out of the CPAC straw poll today, relatively unknown Perry Johnson, that Michigan businessman outvoting Nikki Haley. Is this a sign of things to come for the former South Carolina governor, or did Johnson just benefit from setting up shop at the conference? I think he benefited from setting up shop. I think it's a mistake for Republicans to ignore Nikki Haley. She is the most electable of the bunch, in my opinion. She is a positive sounding conservative who will have whose backstory will appeal across party lines. 
Uh, I happen to think she's an excellent candidate for president. I'd be more worried about her than anybody else running, including Ron DeSantis, if I was Joe Biden. Oh, Paris, quick response. Is Nikki Haley the most electable of the bunch? Well, not everyone has gotten in. And I think that we have a strong Republican bench that's stronger than any Democrat that's going to announce. And it's certainly stronger than Joe Biden. And so I, I'm, I'm positive that the strength of our bench is going to be uh, the making of a very exciting Republican primary. All right, gentlemen, thank you both for your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. You know, as I was listening to that, uh, that those comments there, I, when I when I did these yesterday, I guess, or late last night. I listened, but I picked up something a little bit different now. They're trying to. Now, think of where we are, folks. We're just under two years away from an election. We just began 2023, the elections in 2024. So it isn't two years, but it's just a few months under that. We're going to hear this kind of stuff that you just heard all the way up to the election. I, I just think the American people are tired of the electioneering year-round. And it doesn't matter if it's four years between presidential elections. It seems like the electioneering never stops. They continue to do it. And this... When you put it in the context of this is the United States of America and we have 335 million people that live here, when you put all of that, that's kind of like the big piece of this whole thing, 335 million people. And then you drop right down on top of that campaigns for political offices. How does that seem to um, play out for you? Doesn't it seem a little trite, a little small, 335 million people. What are you thinking about? You're one of those. 335 million, I'm one of those. What am I thinking about? I think about politics. I think about the nation. I think about the American people. I think about Europe. I think about Ukraine. I think about Russia. I think about China. I think about all those things. But I don't obsess on those things. We bring, what you hear me bring to you in the mornings on this show, those are the things that I think about. And there are bits and pieces of politics that are very, very important. And it's important that people like this, they weigh in with their opinions to a degree, but we're looking at more than 18 months of this pontificating about who's going to be in it for the Republicans, who's going to be in it for the Democrats? How cognitive declined is President Joe Biden? And is he going to make it to 2024? Is he going to formally announce all of those kinds of... Listen, we have too much other stuff to deal with. We need to bring it in and discuss it. But we don't let it need to dominate our lives. When we let that happen, and I believe... It's 100% purposeful on the part of Democrats. I believe they are pushing to have conversations about that election to deflect our attention away from what the heck is going on and in many cases what the heck is not going on that should be in this administration. 
And we're going to get in a little bit of that during the show today, but I wanted to just put that out front. And I listened to that, that interview there with those people in the news. And that wasn't CNN. It wasn't MSNBC. It was truth in the news. I never even heard of them. But those are two really smart analysts that you heard. Chris, the one that you heard normally in the past when he talked about Donald Trump, you used to see him on Fox News all the time. He would scream and holler and insult people on the other side that were in the uh, back and forth. That's probably why he lost his contributing gig at Fox. But nevertheless, those are two really good political pundits that you just heard. But are we going to listen to that and see that all the way up to the election? And if we are, every day, why? Why? Why are we going to hear it today? It's not critical today. Is it just because of CPAC? Yeah. But that's just the beginning. The Republicans, they're out there now in force. The Democrats don't have a lot of people out there who they can bang the gong about for the 2024 presidential election, even Kamala Harris. She is not under consideration to run on the Democrat ticket. So who else is out there? We're going to hear all about that between now and the fall of 2024. Who is going to do it? I promise you, there are going to be at least 10 people that will line up against Joe Biden. And if he doesn't run, if he decides not to run, There'll be 20 people on the debate stage for Democrats. I get tired thinking of it, and that's what I do. (laughs) I I would just like to have conversations with my friends, with you, so that we can talk about the important things. And I'm not saying elections aren't important, because they are. They're the ones that shape all of this other stuff, this other stuff that we live with, things like, what you're paying at the gas pump, how much you're having to pay for groceries, how many things that you used to just walk in, take for granted were there, they're not there anymore. And if you see them on the shelves, sometimes they're limited. So let's look a little bit about uh, the CPAC and our former president, Donald Trump, out there. He listed in his speech a bunch of villains and scoundrels That's what he called them, villains and scoundrels. Numbering among those, he hopes to liberate the United States, including globalist, communist, and the fake news media. I'm going to give you a a, a little bit of the quotes of things that he said, so if you missed it, which I didn't see it live, you may have missed it. I want to give you some of what he said. With you at my side, he said, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers. They are people that don't get it. Although in some cases they get it. They get it for their wallets. But we can't do that. We can't let that happen. We will drive out the globalist. We will cast out the communist. We will throw off the political class that hates our country. They actually hate our country. He continued. No walls, no borders. Bad elections. No voter ID. We will beat the Democrats. We will rout the fake news media. We will expose and appropriately deal with the rhinos, Republican in name only. 
We will evict Joe Biden from the White House and we will liberate America from these villains and scoundrels once and for all. And then he talked about the Republican Party, how the GOP has transformed from the beginning of his political career way back in 2015 to what it is today. And a lot of people are worried. They're worried about what Trump might do. He might just revolt and create a brand new party. Hmm. Here's what he said about the GOP. When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before, there's never been anything like this. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open borders, zealots, and fools. Listen to this now. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Carl Rove, and Jeb Bush. Ooh. Remember those three names. Carl Rove, Paul Ryan, and Jeb Bush. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, Republican Speaker of the House. He ran on uh, the ticket as Vice President. That was in, wasn't that in Obama's midterm? Yeah. Anyway, Trump also said a couple of other things. He criticized politicians, including some Republicans that he named, who seek to destroy our great social security system. We're not going back to people that want to destroy social security, even some in our own party. I wonder who that might be that want to raise the minimum age of Social Security to 70, 75, or even 80, Trump said, referencing former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who spoke at CPAC, by the way, last Friday, and he spoke about the need for the next GOP president to reform all entitlement programs. In some cases that are out to cut Medicare to a level that it will no longer be recognizable, and when that was their first original thought, that's what they always come back to remember. You have to remember that, Trump said. You heard it here first. We're never going back to a party that wants to give unlimited money to fight foreign wars that are endless wars, that are stupid wars. Of course, he said a lot more. And if you get a chance, you can find it in numerous places. It's it's not an hour-long speech. And you just heard a few of the snippets out of it. I just gave you kind of the highlights. But if I was you, I'd go check it out because I think, just like you heard those pundits just a few minutes ago analyze Trump's CPAC speech and where the GOP is as compared to where the Democrat Party is, I think he's going to be the Republican nominee. Even, listen to this, even if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis runs. And I'll just tell you this, you'll hear me say this probably a hundred times between now and the 2024 elections. I think the dream ticket for Republicans for not just four years, not just eight years, but 12 years starting at the inauguration in 2025, January of 2025, would be Trump to run and win his second term as president, have Ron DeSantis as the VP, then Trump can't run again at the end of four years, have DeSantis, who's much younger, have DeSantis 
run for and win the presidency and then win re-election. Wouldn't that be a dream for the American people? Both guys are very conservative. That is all that matters to me. Rhinos. He talked about rhinos, Republicans in name only. Well, he mentioned three of them, Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and Jeb Bush. They like to call themselves conservatives, but they're not according to any definition that I can find of the word. All three of those people were for very liberal concepts that aligned more with Democrats in some cases than with Republicans. And oh, by the way, Paul Ryan, who is now a big-shot executive with Fox News, he made a public statement last week just before CPAC and said, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, he's not going to go to the convention. In other words, he's trying to use his quote-unquote clout to keep people from nominating Trump to be the Republican nominee just because they want Paul Ryan to make sure he goes to the Republican convention. Oh my gosh, this kind of stuff just frosts me. That's the stuff in politics that is needless. Look around, people. Look what's going on. What do we have going on? We have a story today, two or three of them, about illegal immigration. We should be talking about and dealing with things like that. Christopher Ray has been making his rounds in front of the Senate committees. Also, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, is doing the same thing. There's stuff that they are sitting on Capitol Hill and saying, it should shock you to your toes. We've got Merrick Garland coming up, and folks, this guy, he was almost a Supreme Court justice the last year of Barack Obama's term. In fact, i tell you what I'm going to do. I've got a, uh, a soundbite. My buddy, John Kennedy, senator from here in Louisiana, he went toe-to-toe with Merrick Garland in that hearing. Why don't we take our first break? When we come back, folks, get ready. The United States Attorney General Merrick Garland goes toe-to-toe in a match against Louisiana U.S. Senator John Kennedy. You're going to love it. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger, the Flame Fresh Taste? Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. 
Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new double crispy cheesy burger with double the flame fresh taste. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. Justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. So let me put this in context. If you don't watch any televised Senate committee hearings, especially judicial wow, and oversight committee hearings, you need to make a practice of uh, finding them or going to YouTube after the fact and picking the highlights, you could get bored to tears doing it. But if you're careful and very selective and you choose the ones that uh, you want to go listen to or watch, you'll learn a lot about our government. And as I said earlier, you got to, you just got to quit griping about stuff, quit complaining, and start making moves to get involved in it. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to even go to meetings. You don't have to do any of that. But watch, listen, and read and get yourself informed. And then you start making phone calls. You start writing letters. You get on emails of your representatives and your senators at every level in your government and let them know you're out there and that you're watching and listening to them and let them know specifically what you support that they're proposing and doing, and let them know specifically what you're dead set against that they're already doing or proposing. That's how democracy works. Democrats don't like that. Their definition of chaos in government, that's only when you disagree with them. And any time you do, you're labeled as you are attacking democracy, you're anti-democratic, you're socialist, you're communist. Let me, let me just say this about the fundamentals of the Democrat Party. You look at their planks. Go online. Go to the DNC. Go to their website and read for yourself. In fact, before the show over today, I'm going to do that for you a little bit myself. But their tenets of operations are, and being kind, they're socialist, which means more government, bigger government, and massive government control. Who's leading the bang? Where is all of our criminality coming from across the nation? It's ramped up in almost every zip code to monumental levels. Vast increases, vast increases in violent crime, murders, We know that uh, Lori Lightfoot's kicked out. The voters are kicking her out of Chicago. Chicago had, I think, uh, 15 people shot over the weekend. That's just another weekend in Chicago. Well, here's the guy that is over a lot of that law enforcement legal stuff. In fact, he's technically over all of it from top to bottom in the United States. That would be our Attorney General, Merrick Garland. But he met his match in John Kennedy. 
U.S. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. I, I read this somewhere. I don't remember who said it, but I wrote it, but I remember it. It was once observed that, that a parent who stops loving their children, if a parent stops loving their children, the children will not stop loving the parent. The children will stop loving themselves. Um, I know we can agree that uh, we should encourage parents to be involved in their kids' lives. Absolutely. And I'm sure we can agree that we should encourage parents to uh, make their kids do their homework. Yes, although there's sometimes some resistance to that. Right, right. And to make sure they get sleep at night so they can be ready for school. Yes. Um, here's what I'm, I've always been confused about. Didn't you understand the chilling effect that it would have to parents when you issued uh, your directive, when you directed your criminal divisions and your counterterrorism divisions to, um, to investigate parents who were angry at school boards and administrators during COVID? So, Senator, if you'd just give me a moment to put the full context, I did not do that. I did not issue any memorandum directing the investigation of parents who were concerned about their children. Quite to the contrary, the memorandum that you're talking about says at the very beginning of the memorandum that vigorous public debate is protected by the First Amendment. And the kind of concerns that you're talking about are, uh, as expressed by parents are, of course, completely protected. The memorandum was aimed at violence and threats of violence against a whole host of school personnel. It was not aimed at parents making complaints to their school board. And it, it came in the context of a whole series of other kinds of violent threats uh, and violence against other public well, well, officials. Let's walk through this. Um, your directive to your criminal division and your counterterrorism division came in a response to a letter from the National School Boards Association, did it not? In part to the letter and in part to news reports of violence and And, and the, the National School Board Association um, said these parents ought to be investigated under the Patriot Act as potential domestic terrorists. And you'll notice, Senator, that I said nothing like that. I understand, that in but my that's mind. what the letter said. There, there was a reference to that in the letter, right. something I disagree with. And your employees helped them write the letter, didn't they? I don't know anything to suggest that that's true. Uh, no, I think I don't. it is true. Well, and the White House helped them write that letter, didn't they? I, do, I don't know. I have no knowledge about that, but certainly I don't know anything about my employees and so, helping write that letter. So you get this letter from the National School Board Association asking you to investigate parents that your employees helped write and that the White House helped write, and you issue a directive to your criminal division and to your counterintelligence or counterterrorism division to start investigating parents who are angry. 
What did you think was going to happen? I'll say again, Senator, that I, my, nothing in my memorandum says to investigate parents who are angry. Quite the opposite. It says that the First Amendment protects that kind of vigorous debate. The only thing we wanted was for an assessment to be made out in the field about whether federal assistance was needed to prevent violence and threats of violence. Well, one of your field, that's not the way your, your, your department implemented your directive. One of your field offices actually opened an investigation. You set up a, a website and a hotline to report parents. And yeah, there, I, a I state, don't think we didn't set up a specific hotline about this. This was a, a reference to the Democratic FBI's Party official contacted you. They said uh, that some Republicans were inciting violence by expressing public displeasure with school districts' vaccine mandates. And one of your field offices opened an investigation, which is a permanent part of their record. I, uh, Senator, I, I don't know anything about the specific thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, they, used really to say, they used to say in high school this is going to be on your permanent record. I don't believe there is any such thing um, uh, with respect oh, I, to, the, I to this. I think there is at the FBI general, and oh. you and I both know there is. There, there was a lady and in, in, uh, a mom in Michigan. She has a special needs kid, and the kid was doing pretty well. And she got upset with her local school board over its closures and and uh, virtual learning policies, and she went to the meeting, and and she made an intemperate comment. She 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 accused them of being a bunch of Nazis. Um, why would the FBI open an investigation of her? Again, I don't know anything about the specifics of the case, but accusing people of being Nazis, well, I find bad is certainly not criminal. It's totally protected no. by the First Amendment. I mean, I and I've said that over and over again. This is not the first time we've discussed not, this. That's not what your department did. Well, I, 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 this is about the third time I've been asked the, about the same memorandum, and each time I've said, and I hope that the senators would go ahead and advise their constituents in the same way, that this is not what we do. We are not in any way trying to interfere with parents making complaints but, but, about the education of their children. But don't you understand, General, and, 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 and I, I, I believe you, but don't you understand that this looks like you were just giving in to the teachers' unions and politicizing the disagreement, the honest disagreements? I mean, we only, as a result of some of our school board policies, we only experienced the largest learning loss for our kids in modern history. Don't you think parents had a right to be upset? Absolutely. Instead of, what is a, I mean, you, you implemented, what's a threat tag? Uh, I didn't implement the threat tag. What you're talking about there is a, a part of uh, internal FBI operations. Yeah. And so, you, as far you, as I, I can. You directed your folks, though, to open threat tags on these parents I, I and, and, and investigate them. Yeah, I did not uh, uh, direct that. My understanding from testimony by the FBI is that when somebody makes a complaint and it involves, uh, 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 if somebody uh, gives a tip that a, a school official is being threatened, then there's, uh, in order to uh, 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 
look at trends. They mark it as a as a uh, uh, tip involving a school official. They make the, have the same set of uh, threat tags with respect to a complaint that suggests somebody is making a threat against a Supreme Court justice. These aren't complaints. These are tips that of violence or threats of violence. A threat tag on a parent for being concerned at a school board meeting? It's not on the parent. It's not on whoever. It's on uh, to indicate that a threat was made against, or at least alleged that a threat was made against, a school board member or a school official or a teacher or a school. Some of these turned out to be bomb threats. Senator, so, uh, Senator Kennedy, we're going to have a second round of questioning on behalf of uh, Chairman Durbin, who has gone to vote. I'm going to call on... You go, you're blaming it on Durbin, huh? <laughs> I understand. I apologize for I going over. I take full responsibility. Thank you, General. Let me tell you what I want to do. I want to start at the end there, the last segment that Senator Kennedy drilled the Attorney General about. And, and that is, why the heck doesn't the Attorney General know everything that's going on in the organization that he runs? This is the part about the federal government that blows my mind. If, let me just say this, if our departments in our government, and I'm talking about those in the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the court system, those three branches, if the person at the top of each of them doesn't know what's going on underneath them, they need to be terminated immediately. How can I say that? I mean, why would there even be an attorney general if the attorney general... Did you hear how many times Merrick Garland told Senator Kennedy, Senator, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. And much of the questions that the senator asked, I knew the answers about. The guy that runs that apartment didn't have a clue. He's either totally feckless and doesn't know the answer, or he's stupid if it's happening in the Department of Justice and the first place he hears about it is when he comes to Congress and sits before a panel. That, what you just heard, we never play or hardly ever play one of these conversations that we download that's more than eight minutes long. This one, I felt like it was very important for you to hear. Let me just say this. I've said this about President Biden over and over again. President Biden is not the one making the presidential decisions in large part. Someone else is putting it all together and giving it to him to read from his teleprompter. Okay, obviously that is not quite the case for our attorney general, but just think it through after what you just heard. There's stuff going on all across and all the way up and down the Department of Justice that's filtering out to the nation every day, and the media is covering it. Here's the guy that runs the joint. He doesn't have a clue about more than 70% of what Senator Kennedy just asked him about, and Merrick Garland should know all of the details about what you just heard. Why? Because they're all over the news. That means they're important to somebody. And Merrick Garland, as attorney general, his job 
is to make sure everybody in the United States from top to bottom when it comes to federal law needs to abide by the laws of the land. And you know what? You know what right now should have already happened? This attorney general should have instituted a impeachment investigation into our president and to our Secretary of Homeland Security and to anybody else in the government that just arbitrarily says, I'm not going to work and enforce this law or that law. I'm just going to let the illegals run wild. Why do you think our streets are being blown apart? All it's, It used to be on the weekends. It's week, it's week round now, especially in our big cities across the nation. Why is that? Nobody's being held accountable for breaking these federal statutes. I wish somebody, and it's impossible at this point, but somebody could come up with the number of federal law violations this president has made by encouraging illegals to come into the nation. That's called suborning it, suborning illegal immigration. And then the second part of that is not force those who break the law, not force them to face accountability for those federal laws that they break. It would be in the millions of cases. This, my friends, has never happened under any other president in the United States. Not once. So you know why the mainstream media is bringing up all the things they're bringing up now? It's so that we don't concentrate on that one thing. The biggest faux pas of this administration, the worst in American history, and it's looking to be the most costly decision that this president has made. He doesn't pay any Indian bills. He doesn't pay for what he does. You and I do. We've got a story coming up that'll break your heart, and it's because of Joe Biden, deaths. And we've just grown numb to the deaths of people we hear. You know, these immigrants locked up in these trailer tractors, 20, 30, 40, 50, suffocating because there's no air and it's unbearable heat back there. We hear about the big ones. How many others do we not hear about? How many people die on the road to our southern border because on Joe Biden's watch, those cartels down south have become the most powerful people in North and Central America. They're multi-billionaires. They're making a fortune, and we're paying the price, literally, financially, and with American citizens' lives and livelihoods. Nothing coming out of Washington, D.C. about that. Nobody up there wants to talk about it. And when you hear somebody like John Kennedy try to have a quiet, intellectual, adult Q&A with the Attorney General, who, by the way, answers to this committee in Congress, Merrick Garland knows nothing. It's like Sergeant Schultz. Remember that? Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing. I know nothing. When all along, we know Sergeant Schultz knew something. He knew about everything going on. And so does this president. 
and so does this attorney general. And so does everybody in the Biden cabinet. And by the way, that goes all the way down to Pete Buttigieg. He's in deep doo-doo is Mayor Pete. He's got a lot of things to answer for. By the way, he's not doing his job. And people are in horrible circumstances because he hasn't been doing his job. We have all this and much, 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 much more. Don't go away. Back after this. Want to get in touch with Dan? Go to truthnewsnet.org. More truth after this. Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right? Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. I failed to mention this when we were talking about CPOC, 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 CPAC. There's a straw pull every time they have one. In other words, everybody in the room depends on pretty much who's in the room. Everybody, almost in mass, two-thirds, they have Donald Trump winning the presidency, or at least the Republican nomination. He got 62%. Ron DeSantis got 22%. Everybody else, all of them were in single digits. So the left have been praying that somebody other than Donald Trump win the Republican nomination. Now, why would they say that? I mean, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump. Why couldn't somebody else come in there and beat Donald Trump? They don't want to face Donald Trump, period. Again, straw poll in CPAC, Donald Trump 62%. Ron DeSantis, 22%, everyone else, single digits. And, of course, the president, former president, is out there beating the drum for everybody to see. It's interesting, though, honestly, I think several weeks ago, you and I talked about this. Um, I said, and many others have said, Donald Trump's got to, he's kind of got to soften up his delivery, the things that he says, berating other people, all those kind of things he's got to soften up because he's run off a lot of conservatives, a lot of Christian conservatives, as a matter of fact. They, they've they always loved what he does, but they don't like much of what he says, and they certainly don't like the way he says it. Well, guess what? 
maybe it's just because we're not in the final stretch, but he has softened those things up. I think that's very interesting, and it kind of makes me feel good. Maybe, just maybe, he's got the word now, and he's accepting that. Somebody's got his ear. And that's a hard thing, as you know, for Donald Trump, even before he became president. He's a a one kind of guy, and it's his way. And I guess basically he has a right for that. You know why? Because he's proven it works in the past in business, and now not by himself, but enlarged by his leadership. Can you imagine him saying anything about anything going on in his administration, in his cabinet, in any department? Like Merrick Garland, you just heard him say, that would never happen in a Trump administration. It just wouldn't. He wouldn't settle for somebody being in his organization. It was like that. I don't know. I don't know. I never heard that when you and I had heard it Everything they were talking about hundreds of times. Mayor Garland's either a liar or he's an incompetent individual. Maybe a combination of both. So while you and I were sleeping over the weekend and while CPAC was doing its thing and Joe Biden was going to bed early with his sippy cup and his blanket and Joe was patting him and making sure he got his warm milk in that sippy cup and got to bed. When that was going on, news comes out over the weekend, and of course mainstream media, ooh, they don't like to talk about it, but we picked it up. Biden's Department of Homeland Security has funneled $350 million to illegal aliens that were released by him on his order across the nation into towns and cities from one side of the country to the other. $350 million. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced his agency would be spending some $350 million on the emergency food and shelter program, specifically to fund support services for border crossers and illegals arriving in various U.S. towns and cities. Now, Mayorkas, I, I hate to even see him when he talks. I hate to listen to him because he doesn't just speak. He doesn't do anything in conversational language. He pontificates. Mayorkas said this, with today's funding of $350 million for the emergency food and shelter program, DHS is delivering on our commitment to provide needed support to communities across the country that receive non-citizens who are in immigration enforcement proceedings. That's supposed to make it okay. Oh, they're already in our enforcement proceedings. How about this, Mr. Mayorkas? They're not supposed to be here. They stepped across into the United States, and doing that is a federal offense. They need to be held accountable before we spend a nickel on anybody. Now, just so you know this, we've already spent $75 million to fund costs incurred by localities and non-governmental organizations through the program. Taxpayer funds were authorized by Congress. The figure set to rise to $800 million in social support services for newly released border crossers and illegal aliens. 
Biden's expansive catch and release program, which he went back to, dumped all of Trump's very successful immigration programs. Catch and release. Y'all come over here. We're going to sign you up. We're going to give you some kind of notice. Many times you don't have to even come back. Those of you that get that notice to appear, all you got to do is go to the local judge or go to the ICE and immigration offices in your town and they'll tell you what to do. Catch and release. And it's all across the southern border. It's made the funding sources through this very program possible as American communities struggle to absorb that constant stream of tens of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens released into the United States every month. So who came up with all these numbers? The Heritage Foundation, their oversight project. It revealed that a bunch of non-governmental organizations, those NGOs, oh, they're working with Biden's Department of Homeland Security. Why? Because they're getting checks from the Department of Homeland Security, these non-governmental agencies, organizations. They're making money. They're getting paid money, and it's in lump sums. Trump, uh, Trump's lump sum, not Trump, Biden's lump sums, they're getting checks and no checks and balances for how they're spending it, by the way. 50 million here, 50 million there, no big deal. And this money, this dollars and cents, 350 million, I told you at the top of this story, they've sent money out, tens of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens across all 50 states are getting these checks, and you're signing those checks. Latest estimates from February of 21 to January of this year show that the Biden administration has released nearly 2 million border crossers and illegal aliens into the U.S. interior. Every one of those you're supporting financially. Hey, 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 Santa Claus. You're taking care of everything. Now, I've got another immigration story. This one's going to frost you. The number of illegal migrants that have evaded arrest exploded by 900%. Wait a minute, 900%? That's nine times? How is that possible? I didn't know. I knew we we had blown up at the southern border, but I didn't know we'd grown up by nine times. Well, you'd be right. It's not the southern border. It's 900% at the northern border. Oh my gosh. The number of illegals that are known to have evaded arrest in the busiest sector of the northern border keeps climbing every month. The sector saw approximately 100 known gotaways in the entirety of fiscal year 2022. More than nine times that between October of 22 and February of this year. Now, that sounds like paltry numbers when you compare it to the South. Yeah, it is. But I want to remind you of something. All illegal immigration is what? It's freaking illegal. Illegal, the term means somebody's breaking a law or two, or three, 
And we're not talking about somebody. We're talking about several million people are breaking federal laws. And this president and everybody below him and Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, probably two dozen other entities under him, they're all suborning illegal action by not telling the president to go pound sand but they're doing willingly doing his bidding, breaking the law. That's suborning illegality. That is also a federal violation, a criminal violation. And this is okay with Democrats. They love it. Flip the switch. Turn this over to the Republicans. And if the Republicans were doing this to do what the Democrats are doing, which is to try to get as many people in here as they can that will vote Democrat and keep Democrats in perpetual power in the American government. That means installing full-blown socialism. And by the way, if they just want to scoot a little more to the left, full-blown communism. Either of those two, make no mistake about it. Either of those two, your rights are gone. You don't have any rights unless the government says you can have them. And they tell you how you can have them, to what extent you can have them, and you have no say-so. None. None. Nix. Neil. You got that? Big government comes in, you're toast. Look at what this government is doing, and it's not supposed to be, and they talk like it's not big government. I talked to you about this last week. Did you hear what's pending? with the World Health Organization, an agreement that Joe Biden is putting out there that will give all of our medical rights to the World Health Organization, the WHO, a division of the United Nations. What are you talking about? If this thing happens, and it looks like it probably will, if there is a medical emergency declared in our country, and oh, by the way, in this agreement, That doesn't come from Washington, D.C. anymore. It would come from the World Health Organization. They would have the unilateral right to declare the United States is in the case of a medical emergency, a pandemic, another COVID-19 deal, you know? They would decide. Coming with that is full authority to determine everything that happens in it and everything that does it. They could lock us down totally across the board. We can't say anything. They could close our schools totally across the board. We could say nothing. They could shut our businesses down. They could force vaccinations. Oh, whoa, what about that? We could we could just stand up and say you can't do it. Uh-uh. They have full legal authority. Well, I'll just ignore them. Well, I promise you, if something like that would happen, And you and I, you are I, whoever ignored it, do you think Joe Biden, if he was still president, would treat that like he's treating the illegal action that's happening daily in the tens of thousands right now at our southern border? You think he would just ignore it? Heck no. They would lock us up and throw away the key. That is about to happen, folks, and I'm not making it up. We're in a very precarious 
place in our nation. Very precarious. Just when you think it's gotten bad, just the stuff that we've talked about so far today, we're not even scraping the surface. We're just touching it here and there. And while we're doing that, while we're talking about these things that we're talking about this morning, they're working their butts off to push us further down towards the chasm at the bottom that we all are scared to death is coming. It's already been coming. We actually may be there, and we just haven't figured it out yet. Now, I thought this next one was an interesting story. It happened last week in Butler County, Pennsylvania. Butler County, Pennsylvania. They announced that they're terminating their sanctuary county for illegal immigrant status. And where did this come from? This isn't a big city. This isn't a big town. This isn't a state. It's Butler County, Pennsylvania. Before February 21st, Butler County was listed online as a sanctuary located in a list that was put together by the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS. The list also included another 16 counties in Pennsylvania, and they included Philadelphia and Allegheny County. In other words, Philadelphia and Allegheny County in the west, which is Pittsburgh. Last week, the county prison board clarified their current association with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, and they said that under their new policy, the Butler County Prison is going to provide ICE with a list of prisoners and allow the agency access to their prison facilities and to their emails. They will also acknowledge ICE detainers with a warrant. Oh my gosh, somebody in the nation, somebody up there in the north, the northeast, they're going to abide by federal immigration law, they're going to hold these immigration lawbreakers accountable. (laughs) Republican State Representative Stephanie Scalaba noted that that sanctuary designation did not reflect our intentions or practices, she said. And she added, the county is focused on security and law and order. And by the way, this message went upstream. County Commissioner Kim Geyer also noted sanctuary designation created a lot of heartache and angst among residents who didn't believe it accurately reflected the county's values. These authorities have further said that they support legal migration, but growing concerns regarding the influx of illegal immigration and its connection to drug trafficking have led to their decision. I can't believe that there are any lawmakers, even if it's at the county level, that have been in that sanctuary status for illegals, finally saw the light and didn't just see the light. They actually decided, hey, we're going to do something about that one. Kudos. Kudos to this county up there. I think, it, uh, I think it's a great idea. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I think what that's going to do, it's going to open the spigot, and there's going to be a bunch of other people, different cities, towns, even states, 
to come back and uh, they're going to follow suit and do that. I don't understand why that hasn't already happened. I just don't get it. The people of the United States are the ones that are paying the price for all this illegality. What are they getting out of it? What are the immigrants bringing blue-collar and white-collar Americans, those illegals that are coming in? Absolutely nothing. There is nothing positive for you and for me if you're in my in my economic class. I'm middle class. What do we get out of this stuff? They're taking our jobs. They're making our housing prices, especially rental prices, go through the roof. Criminality is going crazy, and that means our prices on everything else are going up by these entities that they're being criminalized by some of these illegals. And these stores and these supermarkets, service stations, they're not at fault at this. The Joe Biden administration is at fault. The Democrats in government are at fault for all of this. But you and I are paying 100% of the cost increase. Did you do anything to deserve that? Heck no. Nor did I. They don't give a rip. We're going to go to a break, and when we come out of this break, you're going to hear from a mom. And this one, folks, is going to break your heart. It's a mom that has lost dearly at the hands of President Joe Biden, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and others who are supportive. And by the way, Congress, under the control of Democrats, yeah, the House has it now, but they have the Senate where most immigration policies are decided. And they have, of course, the feckless open borders guy in the White House, Joe Biden. A mother is going to tell you what this has done to her. That's next. No hook to the left, no slice to the right. Straight up the fairway to the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue, but visit KBB.com for more information. Remember when the news was just facts? Remember when the news was truth? It still is. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, 
Dan Newman. That that segment you just heard, Pete Moss, when he said, do you remember when you can remember when the news was just the news? I do. But let me tell you this. Where I'm talking about when we had three television news networks, period, ABC, CBS, and NBC. We had Walter Cronkite. We had, uh, who do we have? Huntley Brinkley. Uh, who was it over on ABC? Frank Reynolds. We had older guys, and they gave us pretty much the same stories, and we thought, you know, that's the news. We just let it go right there. We got the facts, and we moved on. But in the mix of all of the stuff that's happened over the last decade, I ask myself now, how do we know that Walter Cronkite was giving us just the news and Frank Reynolds and Huntley Brinkley? How did we know that? We didn't have any other news agencies out there that were actually doing fact checks on this news. We may have lived through a generation that we were just plagued with misnomers and we did nothing about it because we didn't know anything about it. Let me tell you what that sounds like. And this is this is why I bring this up. This is that that whole thought process. That's China. That's Russia. Now, this is all before the Internet. With the Internet, people can find anything if they want to find facts. But think about that. How do we know they were giving us the truth? We can't go back now and check it because where do we check? (laughs) You go to those places when you do a Google search because that's the only news or information Google has about it is what was reported back then. Maybe it would have been better if we didn't know about some of the stuff that has gone on. We find out now, looking back, especially, for instance, John F. Kennedy. We learned a lot about JFK long after his death and stuff going on inside his administration, didn't we? Just saying. We need to think about that. Talking about the high price that Americans have been paying for our United States government not enforcing federal immigration laws, We hear horror stories all the time about that. This one, I think you may not have a dry eye at the end of this. Not one son, but two sons. Two sons of this mom are dead because of our Biden administration's lackluster or non-existent enforced Southern immigration laws. The heartbreaking story of a Michigan mother, Rebecca Kiesling, who lost both her sons to fentanyl poisonings in 2020. She gave a gut-wrenching testimony before Congress this week. Rebecca Kiesling joins us now. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to tell you what, I was a former member of Congress, and I I thought your testimony in front of the House was some of the most powerful testimony that has been given in that chamber. But would you just do a, uh, us the benefit of telling, telling us about your, your, your sons and what happened to them? Yeah, um, my sons, Caleb and Kyler, were 20 and 18. Um, as my son wrote shortly before he died, um, that his you know, failures don't define him. And 
He was an extraordinary young man. He had been vice president of the student council. He was an A student. He graduated early. Um, very, very intelligent. Was going to go into the Navy. Scored a 90 on the PCAT test. My son, Kyler, was just an amazing athlete. Um, he was always a helper. All their teachers said how they had the best manners and always said please and thank you and hello and just amazing boys. Um, however, they got caught up in experimenting with drugs. Sadly, like so many young people, despite all of the warnings, and they ended up with fake Percocets the night they were celebrating Kyler's graduation. And the fake Percocets turned out to be all fentanyl. Mm. And it killed my sons along with 17-year-old Sophia Harris. Rebecca, your testimony connected with so many Americans, uh, people who are grieving their own losses uh, of loved ones and family members to fentanyl poisonings. Uh, tell us about the reaction to that testimony that you've experienced, things you've heard from people across this country. I've been getting just about nonstop email messages and, and on all my social media from other parents who lost their children, um, primarily from other parents who haven't felt that they had a voice and haven't felt like that they had the strength to speak up. I mean, I don't necessarily feel like I do either. Um, I'm super broken, but I was asked to do it. Um, because my boy's story was high profile, because three young people died and mm -hmm. two brothers at the same time. Um, so they're, you know, sort of cheering me on. Um, and then I also have received a bit of hate messages, um, people suggesting that I raised my children to do drugs and that somehow I think that doing Percocets is okay. Um, taking illegal Percocets, like, of course not. I've had, I had a, a message a little bit ago where someone said that I should be the next to die. Um, and as if that wasn't bad enough, then President Biden, um, <laughs> mocked the fact that it wasn't under his presidency. You know, Rebecca, I, um, I, I'm a father of nine uh, kids, and the strength that you have to tell your boy's story, I know they're looking down on you. Um, so proud of you for having the heart and backbone to tell your story. You just mentioned what Joe Biden said about you. I want to play that clip right now. She was very specific recently, saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. The interesting thing is, that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get started. It was hard for me in that clip, Rebecca, just not how heartless it is to, to you and those other parents and families that are victims of a, a drug overdose, especially fentanyl. But it's the fact that Joe Biden actually lost his own son to cancer, Bo, and his own other son has um, a drug addiction problem. And I just, the, the insensitivity to a grieving mother who's from, from the heart telling her story, what message do you have for Joe Biden after hearing his comments? I just, what is the matter with you? What is wrong with you? Somebody asked me like, oh, did he just misspeak? Like, really? You, 
you're the president of the United States. Like, you shouldn't have to think about it. Like, this is the outflow of his heart. This is who he is. And I think it explains a, why, a lot why he changed his home border policy. I don't think he cares. I really don't. I don't think he cares that over uh, 110,000 have died um, in the first year of his presidency. There was an increase 22%. Tens of thousands of more people died when he changed the border policy. And um, I don't think he cares. I really don't. Rebecca, have you heard from anyone in the White House today? No, not at all. And somebody, somebody just told me that there was a press conference and at the White House, and they were asked about whether he was going to apologize. And they just said, oh, um, you know, it wasn't intended for me. He was talking about, you know, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and um, that people are just twisting his words. Like, no, no, you don't get away with that. Um, so many other parents are furious and their kids did die under his watch. Rebecca, I, I just, I know a lot of um, families, a lot of Americans haven't had a son or a daughter or even someone in their neighborhood who's died from a drug overdose like this. You have given- It, it wasn't a, a drug overdose. No, no it, it was, was a poisoning. It was a poisoning, that's true. But you've given a face um, to this crisis and you're, you speaking out with such passion and such heart, um, I think has made everybody know someone and who has lost a loved one from, as you said, a poisoning. And I, th and I can speak for Sean too, Rebecca. Um, we both, I know, went home and prayed for you last night. And we pray for every family who has lost a loved one to fentanyl poisonings. We pray for all of those grieving, all of those missing someone because a life was taken because of fentanyl poisoning. We pray there have been moms, moms in the support group who have committed suicide. It's really hard to survive this. We pray for strength for you. We pray that you can pick up your feet every day and take a step forward and keep doing what you're doing because your voice is so important to trying to fix this problem, to make sure that more lives aren't lost. Rebecca Kiesling, God bless you, and thank you for joining us and telling your story on The Bottom Line. Thank you. What you just heard there, it doesn't need any descriptive uh, follow-up from me. It doesn't. It speaks for itself. And it also speaks for the President of the United States. You just heard him say it. And that little chuckle that he has, everybody that has been around him his entire career recognize it, know what it means. It pretty much means, how dare you to disagree with me? Listen, let me tell you exactly why. And this is my opinion, and you can disagree. I, I would welcome somebody, if you do disagree in what you're about to hear me say, give me a call. I'll pay for the call. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. What you just heard the President of the United States say up on a stage, and the fact that 
This is a mom, and it doesn't matter if she's Republican or Democrat. She's an American. She used to have two more Americans that lived in her household, her two sons. They're not there anymore. It doesn't matter who wears the head dress of president, any president, every president, in the United States and in our history is supposed to abide by the rule of law and enforce federal immigration laws. Now, this happened, as Joe Biden said. He will never say the name, but it happened in the, quote, previous administration. What's the difference between that one regarding illegal drugs at the southern border and this one? regarding illegal drugs at the southern border. The previous one did everything within his power, everything he could do with executive action after he tried to get legislation pushed through Congress. He did a thousand times more to stop the flood of illegal drugs, including fentanyl, principally fentanyl, than Joe Biden has done. And for Joe Biden to stand up on that stage and chuckle about those two boys that died innocently, they thought they were taking a Percocet. Now, I don't know if they had prescriptions for Percocet, if they were just at a party or something and getting a pill. Just because they may have been doing the latter doesn't mean it should be a death sentence. Joe Biden has not only not followed through with Trump policies at the southern border, he's gone 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And these two young guys, they should be the poster boys for why everybody in the United States of America, whoever you are, if you're an American or if you're an illegal here, You need to do everything that you possibly can do to get our government to stop illegal immigration. Well, you know, illegal, our our laws here are egregious. They're unfair. We can't put these people in the situation where they are fleeing for their lives from these foreign countries. we got to let them come in here. Okay, you don't like the laws? Change the laws. What do the Democrats say every day about MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump and all of the MAGA folks? We're evil. Why are we evil? Because we're destroying democracy. That is the biggest lie somebody can tell you. What Donald Trump did enforcing the laws, closing to the maximum ability that he had our southern border, that is democracy. You know why? Because you elected somebody in your state. You've got two different ones to vote for, U.S. senators, and in your congressional district, one person. You democratically cast your votes for who represented you and your thoughts on everything in government and sent them to Washington to execute their votes on every issue 
every bill that comes before them for the benefit of those who they represent. It's not like Joe Biden. He needed some votes, so he just came up with this artificial way to give away or to try to give away a bunch more of your money by buying votes. Remember that in the midterm elections? Oh, all of you who owe money to your debtors for your college education, I'm going to wipe it all out. Yeah, all of you people that are white collars, you went, some of you finished, some of you didn't, but blue-collar Americans, people that didn't go to college because they couldn't afford it or they didn't want to, so they just got out in the business world and they're making good money, we're going to make them pay for all of your money and all you did was go to the university and party. That's not leadership at all. Leadership is looking at recognizing problems and doing everything within your power to resolve the problems. We cannot have another Democrat in Washington. Our government, our democratic government, which is actually not a democracy, it's a representative republic, which is where we the people determine who's going to govern and how they're going to govern. We can't stand another Joe Biden, or anybody like Joe Biden, for that matter. We can't stand it. We've got to go back to the conservative ideology that our forefathers structured this nation on from the very beginning of it being a nation. And it's the tenets that these people can't stand. Why? They want totalitarian rule over everything in our lives. Now, for those of you that that will say when I said that, you're getting a little extreme, Dan. Look at the facts, folks. That's not being extreme at all. That's the way it is. So let's segue on to another issue I told you that was coming up. When Hunter Biden, when he was doing all of his stuff over there in his business dealing in Ukraine and Russia and also in China, There were massive wire transfers that were coming from banks across Europe and Asia and going to Hunter Biden-related accounts. We'll call these accounts over here that this money was going to the Biden family syndicate accounts. Now, there is a, it's not really a hard in the concrete issue and method that banks have to use for these suspicious wire transfers. But anytime money is transferred out in large amounts and it seems suspicious, typically what happens is these banks that are federally uh, supervised banks here in the United States, they'll put out these notices to the U.S. Treasury for suspicious incoming and outgoing wire transfers. None of these happen in the case of the Biden family syndicate. The U.S. Treasury's Jonathan Davidson, Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs, is going to testify before this House Oversight Committee this Friday about why the Treasury has refused to provide those SARS reports. That stands for Suspicious Activity Reports. They just have passed over. They haven't done it. Why would that be? Hmm. Those 
Reports, by the way, often contain evidence of potential criminal activities like money laundering and other types of fraud. So House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer of Kentucky is investigating James and Hunter Biden along with Eric Schwerwin for nine different violations, specific violations, by the way, and those include wire fraud and money laundering. During its investigations, the U.S. Treasury has tried to stonewall Representative Comer's request for those suspicious activity reports. And they're doing that, they say, because the reports are a key trove of information that will provide details about the family's foreign business transactions, along with knowledge of whether Joe Biden remains compromised by foreign governments through his family's business. And that's what those reports are that's what they're for, and they should be being issued, and they're not. Comer stated over the weekend that he intends to also examine legislative solutions to ensure Congress has timely access to those reports. We're concerned the Treasury Department is acting in bad faith to produce these documents to the Oversight Committee when we know that it has already produced them to another congressional office, Cromer said. At next week's hearing, a Treasury Department official can explain to Congress and the American people why the Treasury is hiding critical information. Now, how are they hiding it? Well, in January, Davidson denied the committee's request for, oh, I don't know, 150 of those flagged by U.S. banks, citing, quote, improper disclosure, end quote, of relevant information that could reduce the Biden administration's ability to conduct law enforcement, intelligence, and national security activities. That's the excuse that Davidson gave, that they're not going to do it because it would hamper Joe Biden and his administration in their conducting of law enforcement, intelligence, and national security activities. I say horse hockey. So while the Treasury's doing this, stonewalling Comer, the Biden's family top financial lieutenant, Schwerwin, is expected to, quote, soon provide requested documents to the committee. Schwerwin, who shared bank accounts with President Joe Biden and dubbed the family's money man, He was also president of Rosemont Seneca Partners. You've heard all about it over and over again here and other places. Seneca Partners is a fund created by Hunter Biden and several of his associates that spawned business deals in Russia, Ukraine, China, and Romania, by the way. Sherwin's compliance, I'll say compliance, it's only if he does it, it's pending, His compliance with the committee comes after Hunter plotted in 2019 to betray him amid their crumbling relationship built upon an off-the-books business arrangement on text messages that were obtained, by the way, by Breitbart News from Hunter's laptop. In 2018 and 2020, Breitbart Senior Contributor and Government Accountability Institute President Peter Schweitzer published Secret Empire's and Profiles in Corruption. Each book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list 
and each book exposed how Hunter and Joe flew aboard Air Force Two back in 2013 to China before Hunter's firm inked a little deal with a subsidiary of the Chinese government's Bank of China less than two weeks after the trick. A paltry $1.5 billion, billion with a B, deal, right after the trip. Schweitzer's work also uncovered the Biden family's other vast and lucrative foreign deals and cronyism. They also captured international headlines, went along with Miranda Devine of the New York Post, revealed that Joe was intimately involved in Hunter's businesses, appearing even to have a 10% stake in a company that Hunter formed with officials at the highest level of the Chinese Communist Party. Folks, I don't give a rip if this ever turns out I do, but it is critical to the structure of the United States of America that we have confidence and factual evidence that all of this is not true. We've got to have that to prove that Joe Biden is not in the tank with China, with Russia, and with anybody else. Look what he's doing on the national and international stage right now. He's cutting all kind of deals with everybody we just mentioned. Every time he makes an international decision, we're all asking our question, asking this question of ourselves. Is he doing it because he's in the tank with these people? We shouldn't have to even question that. And if I, I will tell you this, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a righteous person, but if I was Joe Biden, I would want the American people to have this investigation come to light to prove to them that I didn't do anything wrong and that I'm working totally for them. Anything short of that, I got to be honest with you, what that means to me, and I don't have a buzzer sounder, I'd give it to you, but it would be something like this. He's guilty. He's in the tank. He did it, and he did it all. And I'll be honest with you, I believe he did all this and probably a lot more. So at this particular point in the Biden administration, at this particular point in what's going on in our nation, if you were looking at this guy and looking back throughout U.S. history, who would you decipher to be the worst president in your lifetime? But yes, let's take a moment now and check in with the leader of the free world, President Joe Biden, who this week took a moment to pay tribute to a special nurse from way back. And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand it, but she'd whisper and she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, that there was a connection, a human connection. Uh, what, in, what in the world was that all about? He said, let's go back to uh, the transcript, the nurse would come in and do things I don't think you learn in medical school, in nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I couldn't understand, but she'd whisper and she'd lean down and actually breathe on me <laughs> to make sure there was a connection, a human connection. Uh... 
a nurse would lean down and breathe on him to make sure there was a human connection. The crazy thing is that's not the first time he has talked about nurses blowing on him. Here he is in 2020 campaigning from his basement explaining <laughs> how nurses used to blow right into his nostrils. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear wow. and go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually probably nothing ever taught in uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. She used to blow into his nostrils. Biden has a habit of saying crazy things that make no sense and are never really properly clarified. Remember this little gem? But guess what? We got a lot to do. Gotta say hi to me. <laughs> we go back a long way. She was 12, I was 30, but anyway. This woman helped me get an awful lot done. She was 12, I was 30, we got a lot done. James, I know you tried to uh, get to the bottom of that little Bidenism. I uh, hope you had more success than I have because I'm officially giving up. I will no longer try to decipher what the worst president in living memory is trying to convey. I'm done. I'm out. The worst president in living memory is Joe Biden. That's by the way, in case I know you probably knew that, Sky News down in Australia. But isn't it interesting to hear what our neighbors, even our allies, people in them, one of our allies, Australia, what they think about our president? The worst president in living memory, Joe Biden. I didn't say it, she did. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas? You ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more, and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. 
Are you sure we should be out here? It's just pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. When the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests, you want a direct source for the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. You probably have heard about some Americans being kidnapped down in Mexico. The FBI has released this. Uh, Let me say, yada, 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 yada. I just got this just a second ago. This is coming from a Oliver Rich special agent in charge of the San Antonio Division of the FBI. Uh, Their territory includes Brownsville, Texas, by the way, announced that the FBI is seeking public assistance in the identification of the person responsible for the assault and kidnapping of four U.S. citizens. Now listen to this. This happened in Matamoros, Mexico. I know right where it is. The FBI federal partners and Mexican law enforcement agencies are investigating, he said. The FBI is announcing a reward of 50 grand for the return of the victims and the arrest of those involved. It all happened last week on the 3rd, actually just three days ago. Four Americans crossed into Matamoros driving a white minivan with North Carolina license plates. Just after they crossed into Mexico, unidentified gunmen fired upon the passengers in the vehicle. All four were placed in a vehicle and taken from the scene by armed men. The public is urged to call the FBI San Antonio Division They gave the telephone number. What do you expect? What do you expect? I have no idea who these men were that went across the border in that van. It just sounds to me like it it must be drug-related, but I'm jumping to conclusions. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why they were there. The only thing that matters to the Biden administration should be those are Americans and one of our biggest allies in this hemisphere, Mexico. Somebody in Mexico shot at those four, took them captive, and still have them captive in Mexico. Listen. You know, I question a lot of things from a lot of people. I question a lot of things from this president, this administration, and I think justifiably so. But it doesn't matter if these people are bad people going in there. They cannot, the Mexicans cannot be allowed to get away with that kind of thing. I don't care who the people are. They're Americans. That's all that should. Nothing else should matter about this incident. They're Americans. They went to a state where, to be honest with you, we have a long-standing relationship with, and that long-standing relationship, a lot of that relationship is about money, money that we give to Mexico. 
they need to take care of this. Hey guys, that's a wrap on Monday. We've got a big week ahead. We've got a couple of surprise guests later in the week. You have a great Monday. Think it through. Pray. Be happy. We'll see you tomorrow right here at TNN Live, 9 a.m. One of these days the sky's gonna break and everything will escape and I'll know One of these days the mountains are gonna fall into the sea and they'll know But you and I were made for this I was made to taste your kiss We were made to never fall away Never fall away Soon. I hold you like the sun